Why'd you always come up on this show? I never mention him. And people will just call. And be like, can we get back to the Gardner Minshew thing? What Gardner Minshew thing? There is no Gardner Minshew thing. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Huge announcement this afternoon. Huge piece of news broke within the last two hours, and it's something we were looking forward to, we were waiting on. We were going to really shape our lives around this news for the next calendar year or so. Uh, We figured that an announcement was coming. Uh, We figured that it would break today, uh, and it did. And now we can begin to take our next steps. Uh, No, I'm not talking about Johnny Davis's decision to go to the NBA. I'm talking about Grateful Dead. They released tour dates for the summer. So... That's, that's what I was talking about. Oh, Johnny Davis is going to the NBA. Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, which is an obvious decision for him. And I know Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin are going to be talking about that tonight starting at 6 on Kenny and Heilprin. A fantastic program. One of my favorites. We'll probably talk a little bit about the Johnny Davis decision today. We'll probably leave the Grateful Dead tour dates to uh, <laughs> another conversation. Although that announcement really perked up my afternoon for sure. We have a new guest tonight. We're going to talk football, basketball, and baseball. Pert near a clean sweep. Tonight's show is going to be a blast. And because the show wasn't on yesterday, I feel like we have extra topics to talk about. I have more things than usual, I want to say. So let's not waste time. Let's get into it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an excellent day. You know what? I'm I'm just going to say it. It's really lame to make small talk about the weather, but this blows. Uh, This is duck weather, and I'm sick of it. I haven't seen the sun in like a week and a half. And it took me until about 20 minutes ago to finally perk up and get excited about the day. Maybe it's just because I'm on my third cup of coffee. Nobody else is hammering the coffee in the break room today. Normally, it's gone early afternoon. Sometimes it's gone before I even get in here at lunchtime, but mm, mm -mm. not today. I think I've drank just about a whole pot by myself. Uh, So that's how I'm finally, finally fired up after sleepwalking through most of my day. This weather sucks. It's affecting my mood. It's affecting my energy. Although, a lot to be excited about tonight. Kurt Hogg, first-time guest. First-time guest, ladies and gentlemen. Best behavior. Everyone, we're going to impress him. We're going to impress the heck out of Kurt, who is the new uh, Brewers beat writer for the Journal Sentinel, taking over for Tom Hodricord. He's down in Arizona. We'll connect with him at 530. I want to ask him about starting pitching and where the heck the offense is going to come from. Not the day-to-day... 162 game grind of a regular season offense. I mean, big spot, big moment, big playoff game. Somebody needs to come through. Where's it coming from? Because I don't see a Freddie Freeman on this roster. Right? I don't see a Justin Turner in the playoffs on this roster. Maybe Yelich, maybe Hira, maybe someone else could happen. But at the moment, I don't see it. So I want to talk about that with Kurt Hogg coming up in about an hour and a half. I want to talk about the draft. Look at some wide receiver prospects. I am finally in draft mode. I believe the draft is a month from today, actually. Let me look at a calendar. It's the 28th. Yeah, we are a solid month away from the draft. So that seems like a good time. I got some prospects pulled up. I got my draft guides open. And I want to talk a little bit about how the wide receiver position might fall, especially in the first round of the draft here in a month. You can text the show if you'd like, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. However, before we get to all that, before we get to Kurt... Before we get to draft talk and the Packers, it's the NBA Lounge. This is a perfect week for the NBA Lounge. 
This is great. A lot to talk about. Some great games, especially that Bucks game on Tuesday night, which we didn't get to talk about yesterday. So I'm fired up for this. Everybody knows how this works, right? Every Thursday, we start the show, step into the NBA lounge, talk about what's going on in the association. Maybe that has something to do with the Bucks. Maybe not. Although, as we get closer to the playoffs, the Bucks have been a big pillar of the NBA lounge the last couple weeks because they're one of the biggest stories in the NBA. Giannis, one of the biggest stories in the NBA. If you don't like the NBA, well, it's one second. You know, deal with it. Just fight through it. And if you do, well, great. You always know where it is. It's the beginning of the show every Thursday. And if you miss it live, you can go back and find it on the podcast. I want to start with a tweet that I received last week from E-Man on Twitter, and I saved it. Made me laugh. He said, I love your show, Grant, in all caps, but I tire of the time you spend in the NBA lounge. Listening about James Harden or Kyrie Irving is as wasted time as listening to Dave from Monona. I instantly turn you off. Well, E-Man, I'm sorry you feel this way. But I got to say, first, you recognizing the NBA lounge as a real place and speaking about it as if it's a real place, that's a win for me. I have won this battle. And second, most of the time, I'm not just talking about James Harden or Kyrie, for use your example, just to talk about James Harden and Kyrie, right? Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Celtics and the Heat who played last night and the Sixers who played the Bucks on Tuesday. Those are the Bucks' rivals. Those are the teams the Bucks are going to have to get through in order to defend their title, right? Let's say you uh, you buy an airline ticket. You buy Southwest. Well, it doesn't mean you don't also check Spirit Airlines and American Airlines and, I don't know, Air Qatar. How many? There are a lot of airlines, right? Just because you settle on one plane and one plane ticket doesn't mean you don't look at the others. You got to compare options. What's going on? What's the marketplace look like? Well, we can't just talk about the Bucks. We got to talk about some of these other teams, too, because the more we learn about Philly and Boston and Miami, better feel we'll have for the Eastern Conference and the chances of the Milwaukee Bucks advancing through the playoffs and advancing through the Eastern Conference in the playoffs. Let's start with the Bucks, and then we'll circle back around and end with the Bucks as well. They played on Tuesday night against the Sixers. Outstanding game. One of the best games I've watched all year. From both a Sixers fan perspective, although they lost, from a Bucks fan perspective, from a fan of the league perspective. Outstanding game. Amazing television. 10 out of 10. Big swings. Crowd was juiced up. You got two MVPs, larger-than-life players, Giannis and Embiid trading big blows. We're close to the playoffs, so guys are playing 38 to 40 minutes. We're jacked up, okay? And that game was awesome. We're going to talk more about that game in a little bit. Now, that game was one of five games on Tuesday. The Lakers got blasted. Shocker. The Jazz blew a 25-point lead to the Clippers. Shocker. So I watched that Bucks game on Tuesday night and kind of discarded the rest of the games because I don't really care about the Jazz or the Lakers right now, and I know you don't. I watched that Bucks game, and then I sat back and I prepared for Wednesday. There were 11 games last night, right, including the first primetime ESPN game. Celtics and Heat. All right, now, Boston's been the hottest team in the NBA. Miami's flirted with the one seed here and there, and they've been fighting on the bench. This game is interesting. I was excited for this game. We saw what the Bucks were capable of against the Sixers on Tuesday. Now let's see what Boston and Miami got going on. Let's see. All right? And I went into this game with an open mind. Boston, impress me. Show me something. Tell me why I should actually fear you. Miami, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong as to why you're good. I felt like Robert California sitting down to watch this game. And I'm reminded of the speech that he had early on in his tenure when he got to Dunder Mifflin. And I'm talking about the TV show The Office. I wanted to play for the, the audio to this game. Uh, but I couldn't find it, and I didn't want to open up Netflix and record it, or I guess it's on Peacock now. It's not even on Netflix. So I pulled the quote. This is how I felt last night sitting down to watch Celtics Heat. You ready? Then I'm going to read this verbatim. This is Robert California. 
<clears throat> James Spader. Let me tell you some things I find productive. Positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, honesty. I'll tell you some things I find unproductive. Constantly worrying about where you stand based on inscrutable social cues. And then inevitably reframing it all in a reassuring way so that you can go to sleep at night. No, I do not believe in all that. If I invite you to lunch, I think you're a winner. If I didn't, I don't. But I just met you all. Life is long. Opinions change. Winners, prove me right. Losers, prove me wrong. That's pretty good. This is how I felt going into last night's game. Boston, show me why I should be scared of you. Miami, prove to me that you're not total frauds. Turned on the TV, I watched the game. I was, uh, I was not impressed. I was not blown away. I was not proven wrong. Miami won 106 to 98, and I just, I walked away from this game feeling the same way I walked in. Eh, kind of lukewarm. Didn't really care too much. Wasn't impressed by the Celtics. Wasn't impressed by the Heat. Last night's game reaffirmed my priors on both of these teams. They're both very good. Heat, they're a good squad. Win a lot of games, especially in the regular season. Boston. Really well-constructed team. Two long, versatile wings that can defend and score. Got size, got really good defense. But Miami and Boston are only 80% the team that Milwaukee is. And they're only 90% the team that Brooklyn is. Something is missing from both of these squads. And that was evident last night. You watched the fourth quarter? Brick, 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 brick. The Celtics only scored 14 fourth quarter points. Check that. That's 15. 15 fourth quarter points. Tatum was one for three. Felt kind of invisible. Had some bad turnovers. Jalen Brown was two for ten. A lot of misses. He had some good finishes at the rack, but big picture. Not great. Boston shot 27% from the field in the fourth quarter, and at some point in the fourth, in that final frame, I basically thought, okay, so it's first team to 100 wins. That's not exactly what you want to be saying about a team with championship aspirations, and I know the Celtics and the Heat both do. First team to 100, that's that's not how you win titles. Brick, 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 going back and forth in the fourth quarter. Tatum's missing everything. Jalen Brown's missing everything. Miami was fine. Tyler Hero, not great. Jimmy Butler, I guess, was fine. It was a lot of fine. And fine could be worse. They're both going to get a good seed, the Celtics and the Heat, but last night after the game, I'm thinking these teams can't make shots like the Bucks can make shots. I don't even think they can make shots like the Sixers can make shots. Let's bring it back to Bucks Sixers on Tuesday. Listen to these shooting splits from both teams, not just the Bucks. In the fourth quarter, Middleton was three of four from the field. Giannis was four of five. Drew was four of five. Grayson Allen hit the only shot he took. Bucks in the fourth quarter shot 13 of 18 from the field, 72%. That's, that's, that's the type of team that can take over games, win in crunch time, put together a playoff run. And all the credit in the world to the Sixers, too. They were really good as well. Tobias Harris was 4 of 7. Tobias Harris had the best game I've watched of him all year. Like, most of the time when I'm watching the Sixers, I forget Tobias Harris is there. The other night, I'm like, damn, they're getting good, Tobias Harris. He always plays like this. This is this is a squad. This is a good team. Joel Embiid hit a couple of huge shots. He was 3 of 6 in the fourth quarter. George Niang hit 2 of 3, a couple big 3-point shots. Now, Harden was still 1 of 4. Not exactly clutch God, James Harden, although we know that to be true. If you missed Tuesday's game with the Bucks, or you didn't watch Heat Celtics last night and you want to get a better feel for the NBA as we head into the playoffs, if what I'm saying right now is intriguing you, here's what you do. Go to YouTube, find the full highlight video for Celtics Heat and find the full highlight video for Bucks Sixers. 
fast forward to the fourth quarter and watch the back and forth between the Bucks and the Sixers. Then go and watch the back and forth between the Celtics and the Heat. Tuesday night, Milwaukee, bang, three-pointer. Philly comes down the other end, bang, George Niang's putting it in. Anytime the Bucks would pull ahead by four points, Sixers would pull them right back in. The Bucks couldn't separate. Now, the Sixers couldn't close the gap. They couldn't take the lead. Both teams were just going bang, 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 back and forth. Drew Holiday, then Chris Middleton, then Giannis. And it wasn't just three-point shots. It wasn't just an example of hot three-point shooting for the Bucks or the Celtics. Or the Bucks or the Sixers, excuse me. Three-pointers, yep. Mid-range shots, yep, those were going. Guys were getting to the rack, yep. That's not Boston. That's not Miami. That's Milwaukee. Milwaukee's the only team that can do that. And Philly, on their best night on Tuesday night, when they got the best version of Tobias Harris I've seen in years, they were great, but they weren't as good as the Bucks because Giannis is that man. Joel Embiid's great too, but Giannis is that man. That was the difference on Tuesday. That's my homework to you, to get a better feel for the playoffs. If you didn't watch these games, full highlight videos. It should be eight, nine minutes long, all the scoring plays. Watch the fourth quarter of Tuesday night's game and watch the fourth quarter of Celtics heat last night. Night and day difference. And I guess you could argue that we got the Celtics on a bad night, sure. But that's always been my thing with the Celtics. They'd put a little winning streak together. They'd get hot. They'd look good. And then I'd tune in one night and I'm like, but it's not there yet. It feels like they're missing something. It's like you're just not, you're reaching for something that's not there with Boston. Again, really good team, really good defense. I think that defense becomes less important in the postseason. And by that, I mean, it's it's less of an advantage relative to everyone else. The Celtics have a defense that's far and away better than anyone else right now. In the playoffs, that margin's going to shrink. It'll still be an advantage, but the Celtics won't be able to ride it like they're riding it right now. And if they put a, a shot-making display on like that in the playoffs, 15 fourth-quarter points, shoot 27% from the field, good luck. Good luck. Good luck beating the Bucks. Good luck beating the Sixers on their best night. Hell, if Kyrie and Kevin Durant are balling, that's going to be a nasty series too. This isn't a Celtics hate segment. This is me simply explaining the difference in what I saw between the Celtics and the Heat and the Bucks Sixers. Two very different games, teams on two very different levels. Before we move on, this is something that we got to think about and maybe pay attention to over the next week. Is James Harden washed? I love Embiid. I love Tyrese Maxey. But the Sixers with Curry and Drummond, along with Joel Embiid, that team was that team was cooking. That team was humming. And they traded all that depth. They traded all those pieces with the idea that James Harden was going to come in and be a top 10 player in the league. I don't know that he is anymore. I don't know that he is anymore. This is um, Brian Windhorst with Mike Greenberg on ESPN today. I love Brian Windhorst. I want to have him on the show. I think he'd, he'd, he'd fit right in in the NBA lounge. Imagine him plopping down. We're sipping some coffee. We're chopping it up. He'd be I, I would love Brian Windhorst, my favorite. I love the guy. Here he is with Mike Greenberg talking about what's happening with James Harden. Wendy, what are people around the league saying? This is one of the worst kept secrets in the league, that his first step isn't the same. Here are the numbers. Blow by percentage has gone from 89th percentile in the league to 58th. He's gone from super elite to middling. He's still very crafty. He's still getting to the foul line 10 times a game. But you saw in that clip, they sat on his left side. A good team that has a good defensive strategy, Harden is going to struggle against right now. There's a, there's a wonder whether this hamstring injury that he suffered a year ago is leading to this, or if it's conditioning, or if it's a little bit of both. It's probably a little bit of both. It's a hamstring injury. Chris Middleton tore his hamstring clear off the bone. And you know what, Chris Middleton, good conditioning, hard worker, got over it. James Harden, sorry, goes to strip clubs. 
Doesn't really work all that hard. Oh, look, his hamstring injury is lingering. Shocker. I just don't know if James Harden's that guy. And Philly needs him to be that guy. As we saw the other night, they came up a little bit short because Giannis was that man. Embiid was that man too. But James Harden wasn't there to assist. Before we take a break, John from South Eau Claire texts in. He says, why was there a jump ball at the end of the game when it clearly showed Giannis tapping it out of bounds after the block on the replay? This is what happened. So Giannis went up and blocked that shot and it was ruled a goaltend. So as soon as his hand hit the ball, the play was blown dead and everything else that happened after that, where the ball went, who tapped it out, that didn't matter. So then when they go to the replay, it shows that it's not a goaltend. They can't then continue the play. Oh, it went out about, no, no, no. They have to stop the play right there. It wasn't a goaltend. It was a block. And seeing we stopped play right there, we got to do a jump ball, which was at midcourt. And that was essentially the death in the end of the game for the Sixers. Good question, John. Agree with you. It was kind of a messy ending, which sucked because the rest of the game is great. But I think especially for the Bucks fans, Bucks won, didn't really detract from the big picture. Let's take a break. I want to talk a little bit more about the Bucks, And then I promise if you're not a part of the NBA crowd, we'll get to the Packers here in just a few minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, talking a little bit about some of these other teams in the Eastern Conference. Now I want to dial it in. Let's let's bring it home. Let's bring it together. Let's talk about the Bucks. We're going to talk about the Packers here in about ten minutes. My name is Grant Bills. I have officially started draft season. S-Z-N. Draft season. That's how we would how we would tweet it. Draft's a month from today. So I'm starting to read about some of these wide receiver prospects, and I'll get there. I want to watch some videos and do, like, my poor man's version of draft prep, which is not grinding film and watching tape. It's watching highlight videos, so I have a little bit of an idea of what's going on. Mostly, I took a look at the last couple of drafts. Wide receivers every year drafted higher in the first round and drafted with more frequency in the first round. And as Packers fans, I think we can start to believe, oh, they'll, you know, they can wait until 28. They don't have to take a wide receiver at 23. Oh, they, they might have to, though. The last couple of years are any indication. We can talk about that in 10 minutes. I want to talk about the Bucks for just a couple more minutes. Mike is in downtown Madison. Mike, hello. Welcome to the show. What's up? What's up, Grant? How are you? I am good. I was a zombie for most of the day because I didn't sleep very well last night, but I think it was the fourth or fifth cup of coffee that finally broke me through. So now I'm feeling great. <laughs> That's good, man. Um, we're going to have to change my name because I am now Mike from Windsor. Mm-hmm. Where is Windsor? Yeah, Where is that? Uh, so it's a village just south of DeForest. Okay. Okay. From DeForest, you say. I got you. Hold yeah. on. I'll change it in my notes here. I'll take this under advisement. I got it. Um, in Windsor. Got yeah, it. so I, I I guess I just wanted to wanted to throw in uh, my two cents. Yeah. How it should be undeniable that Giannis is the MVP this year. Okay. Un, undeniable in, in in my eyes. Um, I I want to kind of point out one thing that uh, Colin Coward said on his show. I believe it was yesterday. Value is something that isn't really looked at so much i i think that when you when you talk about value to a team that block he made at the end of the game the other night mm-hmm. like he's the only person that makes that block right now in the nba i would agree and yeah. it 
hit the value of him, not his stats, not his, you know, you know, oh, he got so many triple doubles. Like, mm-hmm. he's so great. No, no one cares. Yeah. It, value of a player, he's without a doubt the most valuable um, in the league. No, no question. Well, Mike, really quickly, and I'll let you keep going, but just one thing to throw in there. I, a good way to describe Giannis's value in that game is when the game was done, you didn't need to go look at the box score. You you turned off the TV after that game and you thought, holy balls, like that dude, that dude can hoop, right? Like that guy took over the game. You didn't even really need to see the stats to understand that after seeing it. No, it's all it's all with how you feel about the player. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's shown every single time he takes the court um, and it's shown in their record without him, let's be honest. So value to a team, He's got to be. There's no question. There's no question about it. Also, um, his professional conduct off the court. I mean, he's a class act. He oh, can't. He's great. He, he's he's amazing. He's he's absolutely incredible. So, um, I don't know. He, there's no question to me um, who is the most valuable player in the NBA, and that's definitely Giannis. I think so too. Um, I think so too. I don't think he's going to win it, but I'm right there with you. Yeah, and quick uh, when you get to the Packers. Yeah, I just want to say. I'm so sick of the rhetoric that this, you know, no wide receiver weapons is Aaron Rodgers' fault because he's an overpaid quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I'm so over it because what about the last 20 years with two all-star quarterbacks and two Super Bowls? Yeah. To me, that's not an underachieving Aaron Rodgers. That's an underachieving franchise. Well, and, and they don't draft him, right? Like, because Aaron Rodgers is paid more, you'd think they would go more into the draft, right? They'd invest more draft picks because, and I'm going to talk about this in about 10 minutes, right? Wide receivers are a huge value if they're good as rookies, much like quarterbacks, right? You'd think with Aaron Rodgers being paid all this money, the Packers would have selected a couple in the last few years, but they just haven't drafted that position. So I, I'm with you. I don't think it's an Aaron Rodgers money thing. I just think the Packers have wanted to go different directions in the draft. Yeah, and I... I don't understand why I really, I just don't, it's bizarre. you know, and I get it. I'm not a GM, you know, I understand it's not my job, but it just, it, it just doesn't, I don't, I don't know. It, it's hard to even wrap my head around the fact that they've had Aaron Rodgers and they had Brett Favre prior and they just two Super Bowls. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I think that, and now everyone's blowing it up because he's got this huge contract. Well, he's probably the best quarterback in the league. He, of course, he has a huge contract. Yeah. So they're they're at their most, they're at their highest paid uh, timeline now because they're more impactful to any team in the league or to to any more impactful than any other player in the league, and everyone knows that. Yeah. So that's what it, that's what it's going to be, and also this Deshaun Watson uh, deal just blew up uh, quarterbacks. It does, but it just blew up that entire process because now he's guaranteed what two hundred thirty million. Yeah. And that's um, that's now the bar for other teams to give their quarterbacks, which like the Ravens owner was complaining. Well, now I got to give my quarterback a guy. Well, at least your guy's not like a, a sexual assault perpetrator, you know, like, I, right. I don't but know. Think, think about this. Wouldn't I mean, wouldn't you as a player walk in that room and say, hey, um, I don't have 22 civil cases <laughs> awaiting yeah, yeah, against me. Exactly. Um, and this guy is getting two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed. Yeah. And he hasn't played in a year. Yeah. So, I mean, the precedent now is just out of this world. Uh, question two, are you going to watch any of the USFL? Uh, can, I just, can I just say short answer, no. It's not that I'm anti-USFL. I just I don't crave football this time of year, I think, like some people do. I'm okay without football. 
I understand a lot of people really want it, so go off, enjoy it. But no, I probably will not watch. Okay, cool. I'll let you know how it is. All right. That's a good deal. Hey, Mike in Windsor, before I let you go, you're from LaPorte, Indiana, right? Or you spend time there? I remember this about you. No, yeah, I grew up there. Okay. Have you ever been to Noblesville, Indiana? Uh, yeah, actually, I lived in Fishers for about four years. Okay, that doesn't mean anything to me. The only, the only, the only reason I ask is because I'm looking at tour dates for Dead & Co. They put out their tour dates, and I'm trying to figure out where I want to go. And the roof, the Rough Music Center in Noblesville, Indiana, have you ever been? Is it a place you'd recommend? Uh, yeah, it's a Ruoff, Ruoff uh, Home uh, yeah, Music Center. It's actually really, really cool. Um, used to be, it's an outside, outdoor venue, holds a lot of people, huge concerts normally. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely a valuable place to to uh, watch a show. Um, I would any any seats good. Lawn seats are great. They're cheaper and uh, they're just you can still see the stage and it's still pretty good. You're far away, but it's it's a good place yeah. to watch a show. Oh, with technology these days, Mike. I mean, they get the screens, they get the speakers. It'll it'll be fine. Well, I'll think about that because I want to get some tickets. So I, I will take that under advisement. I appreciate the call, Mike in Windsor. I will remember that. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Mike. See you, Grant. Have a good one, 608-796-2558. Man, I feel like we really squeezed that call for all it was worth. We, got, we, we talked about everything there. We covered a lot of ground. You can give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558. A uh, couple of NBA texts. Thomas says, Johnny's going to the NBA. Yep, Johnny Davis is leaving, which is 110% the right thing for him to do. Um, and I know a lot of people say, well, he's got to work on his jumper. You know where? You know a great place to work on your basketball jump shot? the best basketball league in the world. Like, that's that's a really good place to work on your basketball jumper. He'll be fine. He's got to continue to develop. The NBA is a really good place to develop, and you'll be under a contract making money. It's a pretty sweet gig. Mike says, are the national... Different Mike, by the way. This is not Mike in Windsor. Uh, this is, are the national press speaking about Giannis for MVP or considering his three previous awards, will they not vote for him? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, Embiid is new, which is fun, and Jokic is brilliant and really likable. I just, I don't know what we're doing with Giannis. This is from, I'll play this clip and then we'll take a break. This is Joel Embiid who went on J.J. Reddick's podcast. It's called The Old Man and the Three, and they're talking about the best couple of players in the world. And J.J. Reddick says Giannis isn't even in his top three. Two or three of the best, two, you know, two of the three best players. That's why I said two of the three. Was it the, wait, so if you say two <laughs> of the question. three, so Who's that means... I made a one, two, or three. Yeah, and that means that means me and KD we only two or three. So who's the number one? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, I'm saying I, I'm not going to make an argument about who okay. the three best no, players no, in the I'm, world I'm, are. I just want to know who's other up there. people make that argument. I'm just saying, in my eyes, like you're you're one of the three best players in the world. Okay, so is Kevin. I, That's what so, that was my point. So I'm not going to get into one, two, third, three, though? three, two, one. It's I just want to know who's the third. I'm Jokic. I'm Jokic. Jokic. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jokic. Uh, Where's Giannis? He, he's in he's in the next group. I mean, he's yeah. like, but it's it's so hard. There's too many good players now. There's too many good players, Joe. Oh, that's the finals MVP. <laughs> too many good players. <laughs> Two times MVP, finals MVP. So here's what I get about this. Giannis can't be a top three player because there's too many good players. You named four. You got Kevin Durant, Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. Oh, there's too many. I'm pretty sure we can... Can we figure out four players? There's too many good players now. Like, Grant, who's the best wide receiver for football? Oh, I don't know. Uh, There's too many good players now. There's too many good ones. I don't know. My brain turned to mush. I can't. 
I can't accurately speak on basketball. There's too many. There's too many good players now. Let's talk about the Packers NFL draft. I got some thoughts on the wide receiver position and how the Packers need to approach it. The draft one month from today. Let's talk about it next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills, appreciate you hanging out. Going to talk to Kurt Hogg, first time guest on the program. We're going to blow him away with our astute question asking and intentive and responsible listening. He's going to love it. He he can't wait to come back. I already know it. He's coming up at 530, covers the Brewers for the Journal Sentinel. He is in Phoenix for spring training, as is J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is at the Brewer game in Arizona today, too. I know because he's only tweeted about it 17 times in the last hour. God. While we're talking about Wisconsin Badgers tweeting obvious things that didn't need to be said, uh, Johnny Davis is headed to the NBA. So we got that news officially this afternoon. Kenny and Heilprin starts all across our network at 6. So Zach and Ben will talk a lot more about that. No surprise at all. Maybe those two will explain exactly why this is really the only smart decision. For Johnny Davis, I want to talk a little bit about the Packers now in the draft. You're welcome to join 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant if that works better for you. You can follow me there as well. Interact all the time, not just during the show. I'm going to go live, folks. I'm fired up for wide receivers. This is our year. This is our year. We're due. We are due. This is our year. I can feel it. We're taking a wide receiver in the first round. Although... <laughs> <laughs> Ask my uh, my best fishing buddies. I have never not said that on the way to the river. I like making fishing analogies. Fishing is a good good analogy, good comp for life, good comp for most things in life. Driving to the river, every time we're going fly fishing, me and the buddies are in the truck. We're blasting music. Maybe it's System of a Down if we're trying to get amped at 5.15 in the morning. Maybe Grateful Dead, maybe Don Williams. Love Don Williams before going fishing. Charlie Rich maybe if we're feeling classy. And we're on the way to the river, and every time, without fail, I will say, today is our day. We're going to kill him today. We are due. We're going to have a magical day of fishing. And then, about 90% of the time, the day ends with a quiet drive home. We're all exhausted, and the trout bested us again. <laughs> but, but, going into it, I always feel like, hey, we're about to have a time. This is our year, right? And that's what worries me. If the fishing spot on the river, if the honey hole is the NFL draft... Then at this moment today, four weeks out, we're in the truck and we're on our way. We're driving there. And it's easy to feel like you got the whole world in the palm of your hand. Oh, my God. We're going to draft two wide receivers in the first round, and they're both going to be studs. Going to gel with Aaron Rodgers right away. We're going to get one guy from Ohio State, blue blood, crisp route runner. Then we're going to get another guy, uh, maybe a a guy who's a little bit more uh, catch and run. Maybe we, maybe we get Jameson Williams. Maybe he falls to us. Oh, we're going oh, to be set up so good, right? We're driving to the river. Oh, we're going to catch so many fish. And then you get there, and it never goes like you think it's going to go. I've felt this way for the last three years. The Packers would draft a wide receiver high, and yet they haven't. The same way that I always convince myself I'm going to catch the biggest brown trout I've ever seen, and not usually. Every once in a while, I luck into a nice brown trout, but not at the rate that I think I should. Just like the Packers don't draft wide receivers at the rate that I think they should. 
I'm starting to learn the names of some of these guys. I'm looking at the big board. The Ringer Draft Guide is free. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Easy to digest. Pro Football Focus is the other one I look at, but that's a little bit more wordy. For the sake of the conversation I'm trying to have today, this is perfect. Real surface level stuff. Uh, and it's free, which is nice. Danny Heifetz contributes to this. He's friend of show. His work is great. Here is the wide receiver big board from Danny Kelly. Not Danny Heifetz, but Danny Kelly. In this order, and there's a... Uh, I like how they word this. This is kind of fun. So I will tell you the, the wide receivers. Let's go top five wide receivers in this, in this draft guide. And then I'm going to read the description that they have, which I really like. So number one, Traylon Burks from Arkansas. The description, shades of Debo Samuel with a power-up mushroom. Like in Mario. All right. So it's kind of fun. I could, I could do that. All right. Drake London, shades of Slim Mike Evans, Dennis Rodman. Just go up and get it. You know, that ball's up in the air. Go get it. Drake London, a possession wide receiver. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Shades of Odell Beckham Jr. on Red Bull. I don't know what that means. I will have to read more. Jamison Williams, Alabama. Shades of Jerry Judy on 1.5x speed. Fast. Really fast. Chris Olave, Ohio State. Shades of Tyler Lockett with a growth spurt. All right. I don't really know what that means. I'm excited to learn more over the next month. And the last one, Jahan Dotson. Deontay Johnson with stick gloves. Oh, so good and can catch. <laughs> George Pickens from Georgia also on here. That just seems like somebody that the Packers want um, because he's a physical blocker. He mixes it up downfield. That just seems like something Matt LaFleur wants. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of bookmarking George Pickens as we get closer to the draft. I feel like that that's kind of a Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinst type guy. I like that guy. I like that guy. Now, the more I dig into draft guides, the more I actually apply myself and think about the draft because I'm not a dude who just mock drafts three months in advance. I don't even really do mock drafts, to be honest, but I try to learn the names of the players and I get into it, especially this year because the Packers have some extra picks. The more that I start to dig into the 2022 NFL draft, the more I believe that the Packers are going to have to take a wide receiver at 22 with their pick that they have from the Raiders. I think they're going to have to take a wide receiver there if they want one in the first round. I think a lot of Packers fans, what's their second pick? 28 uh, draft order. Let me pull it up. I accidentally closed down one of my windows over the last commercial break, and I had everything set up nice, but then I forgot a couple tabs I need to reopen. NFL draft, draft cast. I believe they have 28, right? I think the Packers need to select a wide receiver. If they want one in the first round, they're going to have to take it at 22 because the 28... I'm not saying it's too late, but I, I think the board is going to look different. Just look at the last couple of drafts. Let's look at 21 and 20. Wide receivers come off the board a lot sooner than you'd think. 2021, you had wide receivers taken at 5, Jamar Chase, 6, Jalen Waddell, 10, Devonta Smith, and 20, Kadarius Toney. That's four wide receivers that would be off the board by the time the Packers pick at 22. And who knows? There's an extra spot there. Maybe one goes at 20, 21. The 2020 NFL draft, these are the wide receivers that came off the board in the first round. Henry Ruggs at 12, Jerry Judy at 15, C.D. Lamb at 17, Jalen Rager at 21, Justin Jefferson at 22, Brandon Ayuk at 25. Wide receivers come off the board sooner than you'd think. And I know a lot of Packers fans have said, well, you don't need one at 22. You wait till 28. And I don't know if you can in 2022. In 2016, Oh, yeah, for sure. 
In fact, you go back to 2019, I'm pretty sure the first wide receiver off the board was Hollywood Brown at the end of the first round. It's just not how football works anymore. It's not how the draft works. It's not how college football works. There's more good wide receivers these days. And I think that's in part because, I mean, people are more athletic than ever. So you're just going to get better, bigger, stronger, faster. That's how evolution works. But I also think programs like LSU and Alabama are now actually recruiting high-level wide receivers and developing them. Where 10 years ago, Nick Saban probably said, I don't need wide receivers. I'm going to run the hell out of the ball. I'm going to have a huge line and a great running back. I don't even need a good quarterback or good wide receivers because our defense is going to shut everyone down and we're going to run the ball. And then somewhere in the last decade, Saban realized, oh, I need wide receivers. And look at what they've done for the last couple of years. Cranked out great prospect after great prospect after great prospect. High-level NFL pedigree college programs are now actually recruiting and putting time into developing wide receivers. Wasn't the case even five years ago. That means more high-level pro-ready wide receivers in the draft, even right away in the first round. Wide receivers are also getting more expensive. Not just the contracts of Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill, which were market resetters, quote-unquote. Hell, even DJ Moore. DJ Moore's getting $20 million a year. Is DJ Moore even that good? I don't actually know. I'm embarrassed to say I'm not really sure how good he is. Plays for the Panthers. Makes it tough to judge. It's not a team I watch very often. They're not on red zone a whole lot. Not in primetime games a lot, except for earlier in the year on Thursday night football when they played the Jags or whatever, and they won two games in a row, and we all thought they were good. Sam Darnold, reincarnation. DJ Moore's getting $20 million a year. So it, it behoove NFL teams to get good wide receivers right away on rookie deals. Teams also don't have this weird mental fear of taking a wide receiver high, high in the draft anymore. There's no reason you can't take a wide receiver at five. Whereas I think 10 or 15 years ago, some GM would be like, well, you can't use the sixth overall pick on a wide receiver. That's just nonsense. Why? Why? Wide receiver is really valuable, especially with the pay scale. Now you're getting a huge value, getting a good wide receiver on a rookie deal, right? Look at the value the Bengals are getting from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I want to read you this excerpt from a piece that Timo Risque wrote at Pro Football Focus about surplus value in the draft. I'm going to read this for you. I think it's really interesting. Quote, when the Detroit Lions drafted Calvin Johnson in 07 and Stafford in 09, they signed them to contracts with an average annual cap hit of 10 million and 12 million, respectively. Back then, these deals accounted for 9 and 10% of the cap, meaning the Lions had to pay roughly 20% of their allocated cap space for players they didn't even know would succeed in the NFL. So Lions get Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford. They're already allocating 20% of their cap to those two players right away. He continues. Nowadays, rookie contracts are another story entirely. In 2020, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow signed a quarterback worth $9 million each year. Well, Jamar Chase signed for $7.7 million per year in 2021. These numbers would translate to 45 and 4% of the cap, a much lower percentage than the Lions had to pay for Calvin Johnson when he was a rookie. Here's what I mean. If you take a wide receiver in the top 10 and he's a stud, he's a high-level, top-of-the-market wide receiver right away, Think of the value that the Bengals are going to get for Jamar Chase the next two years because he is almost as good as good right away, at least maybe not every game, but let's say let's say Jamar Chase is 80% as good as Hill, Adams, Hopkins. They're paying nothing for him. He's free. He's free. Same with Burrow. So the value you get from taking a wide receiver high these days based on how, how the money's moved around, oh, it's a huge value. So there's more good wide receivers than ever. 
wide receivers are getting more expensive and front offices are finally starting to realize there's no reason we can't take a wide receiver in the top 10. All of these factors combine for a lot of wide receivers getting drafted high. If the Packers want a high-level wide receiver, they might have to take one at 22. I don't know that you can wait until 28. I don't know that you can wait until 28. If you don't think wide receivers are going to fly off the board in the top 10 this year, the top 15, I think you're being naive. The Packers need to be ready to go if they want one of these guys. Yes, right away at 22, which is the Raiders pick. Let's take a break. We can talk more about this. Some texts and tweets I want to get to. More of the Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Kurt Hogg going to be here in about 40 minutes. Covers the Brewers of the Journal Sentinel. First time guest. So let's knock his socks off, okay? I want him to leave the show today feeling impressed and eager to come back. Give us more good info on the Brewers. Spring training wrapping up, I believe, what, like Monday is their last game? I have the schedule in a binder behind me. If I remember to check over the next commercial break, I can. But season starts next week. So we'll talk about that with Kurt coming up. Right now, we're just BSing a bit about the draft. It's a month from today. So I'm looking at draft guides, and I'm begrudgingly kind of getting there. The way I absorb draft information is, I think begrudging is the perfect word, right? I listen to so much NFL talk radio and so many NFL podcasts that just over a long period of time, it just kind of finds its way into my brain. You know what I mean? Like if I listen to my normal podcasts and I listen to my normal shows and I watch, you know, the normal things that I watch, I'll be walking along. Somebody will be like, oh, what do you think about Jahan Dotson? Well, you know, 5'11", 178, he ran a real good 40. Whoa, where did that come from? Why is that in my brain? It just, it ended up there. It just, it's there because I've heard everyone else talking about it. The one message today that you should take away from our Packers conversation, wide receivers are going to fly off the board. If you look at the last couple of years, we have a ton of precedent for this. There were wide receivers in the previous draft in 2021 taken at 5, 6, 10, and 20. That's Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, and Kadarius Toney. In 2020, there were five taken in, there were, no, six taken in the top 25. Ruggs, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rieger, Jefferson, and Ayuk. And this is for a couple of reasons. I think there are just better athletes than ever before. Great athletes are playing wide receiver. A lot of good wide receivers these days. In evolution, we just become more athletic, stronger, faster. So that's what we're seeing. But now power programs are also recruiting and developing these wide receivers. Nick Saban never used to chase high-level wide receivers because they would win with running the ball in defense. Great lines. You know, discipline, boring quarterback play. Well, now Nick Saban realized, I need these guys. I need Jerry Judys, and I need Jamison Williams. Well, they're going straight into the NFL from a program that is trusted. People aren't afraid to draft a wide receiver out of Alabama. It's Alabama. How could we miss? So there's better wide receivers coming out of better programs than in the past. Wide receivers are getting more expensive. Think of the contracts that Adams and Hill just got, but I keep using DJ Moore as an example. He's getting $20 million a year. If DJ Moore walked into the studio right now, I don't think I'd recognize him. So it pays to find good wide receiver play on the cheap, on a rookie deal, and teams are doing that. I also think general managers are just becoming smarter and every year we kick another old adage to the curb right 
Wide receivers never used to go in the top 10. Oh, you can't use a top 10 pick on a wide receiver. That's nonsense. Uh, yeah, you can. You can actually. You should. Well, you need a franchise left tackle. You need a linebacker. No, you no, you can take a wide receiver in the top 10. Look what the Bengals did with Jamar Chase, right? And I think general managers are, are getting over maybe some old-fashioned ways of thinking. Andrew from Auburn, 608-796-2558, says we should probably grab a quarterback in the first round. Wouldn't want to have a drama-free season. <laughs> Would you rather get a first-round wide receiver or an awesome edge rusher and make a big move for a veteran wide receiver? I'd like for them to do both. I'd like for them to bring somebody in and draft a guy. I don't want all my eggs in one basket. Well, I made a Andrew, you're from Auburn. You're, you're no stranger to a farming community. You might be a farmer yourself. I don't want to. I don't want to assume. You, you heard of a cover crop, right? If you plant corn or beans or I don't know, plant whatever, right? A lot of people will plant oats or, or something on top, so those oats will come up first, give a little protection to the crop, right? If you planted a food plot for deer, maybe you've done this. You want to plant rutabagas or turnips something late season to keep the deer coming in. Well, let's throw some oats down too. Oats will act as a cover crop. The veteran wide receiver could be a cover crop. Randall Cobb can be a cover crop. They can help you through the first stretch of the season and add some stability while the the young wide receivers, the new draftees, kind of get their footing, right? So I'd like them to do both. Your quarterback comment made me laugh, Andrew. Let's say Malik Willis falls to 28 or Kenny Pickett falls to 28. Are we we 100% sure that the Packers aren't? Aren't make aren't drafting that guy. I'm not 100% sure. I'm I'm decently sure they wouldn't, but I'm I'm never saying never with the Packers and Brian Gudikins and we can start it all over again, right? We can do the Jordan Love thing all over again. How fun would that be? I think Aaron Rodgers has the contract that he wants, so maybe he'd be okay with it, although I think he'd be ticked that they're not getting him another weapon. Another weapon that can be wide open against the Niners and can be ignored. Ah, that's not what we're talking about. Sorry, I had to get that in there. Coming up next, I want to touch on a couple of NBA things. Then I want to get to the Brewers, and we're going to talk with Kurt Hogg coming up at 5.30. Why does Gardner Minshew always come up on this show? I never mention him, and people will just call. They'd be like, can we get back to the Gardner Minshew thing? What Gardner Minshew thing? There is no Gardner Minshew thing. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I feel a little bit like Kyrie Irving this week in that I've been a part-time radio host. Normally, I have a show every day, two hours every day, four to six every day. I wake up, I start planning the show, I go in, I do said show, I wrap up the show, I go home, watch sports, wake up, and do it again. Five days a week, right? I got a schedule, I got a thing. Well, this week, the Brewers have been packing in a bunch of spring training games, so there was no show on Monday, there was no show yesterday, and there's not going to be a show tomorrow. So I can just rest my knees and go for 40, 50 points every time we do a show this week because I'm rested. I got a lot of extra content. And that's what Kyrie did for a lot of this season. He'd sit out for a week, and then when he finally had a chance to play, he'd be so fresh and rested. He would just hoop. He'd put up numbers. And I feel like we're putting up numbers on the show tonight. We're only getting started. We've already got the NBA lounge out of the way with. We talked Packers draft. And if I'm talking draft, you know there's something interesting going on. And I have something interesting to say because I do not talk draft. Just talk draft. It's not how I'm wired. We got Kurt Hogg coming up to talk Brewers Journal Sentinel. New guest, new friend of the show. 
So that's exciting. He's coming up in about a half hour. I have some points that I want to make about the Bucks. some points I want to make about the Brewers. Oh, we are just getting started. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant, and I hope you've had an excellent day. I'm glad that you're here, and I'd love to talk to you. 608-796-2558. Find me on Twitter. Like my tweets. Follow me. Block me. I, 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 I well, Whatever. Uh, you can find me at Wisco Grant. Really quickly before we get back into the Bucks and the Brewers, uh, Johnny Davis said that he's headed to the NBA today, uh, which is obvious. He was always going to do that. He should do that. That's the right decision, 100%. Just for fun, I tweeted out this afternoon. I said, after the way the season ended, this is a huge mistake. He should return to school and work on his jumper just to see, you know, who I could get in the replies. And to be fair, I put a tweet right under that that says sarcasm. Well, some people jumped in anyways. Uh, LaCroix Butler says, quote, Davis needs to work on his jumper. He isn't NBA ready. They don't play ball like they used to. It's just money, kid. (laughs) LaCroix also tweeted, few things people can't take from you, son. One of them is your degree. Stay in school. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Schmidt on the north side uh, says the real problem here is the damn transfer portal. (laughs) I agree. He says, I tell you what, it's this generation. I think we had a tweet from Southside Geo, too. I'm trying to find it. Oh, here it is. He says, the better he can be at the collegiate level, the better he will be at the pro level. It's not all about the money. (laughs) This is fun. I was thinking of maybe doing a fully sarcastic segment today where for 10 minutes I just talk about how Johnny Davis should say in school, even though I don't mean it. But it'd be kind of fun. And then I thought, no, we got (laughs) to... We got better things to talk about. It's fine. Here's my goal for the next 10 minutes, okay? Here's my game plan. Here's what I'm going to try to accomplish. We started the show with the NBA Lounge. I want to recap a couple of things I talked about to start the show with the Bucs, but also with a couple of their Eastern Conference rivals, the Heat, the Celtics, the Sixers. Then I'm going to use an NBA concept to build a bridge from our NBA conversation to a Brewers conversation. And then I want to talk more Brewers, and then Kurt Hogg is going to be here at 530. That sound like a plan? I'll check out. All right, let's go. Bucks played Tuesday night against Philly. It was one of the best games of the season. It was fantastic. Amazing television. Big scoring swings. The Bucks were up big to start the game. Then they fell behind big in the third quarter. Then they came back. Crowd was amped up in Philly. Two MVP candidates, both larger than life, huge figures, trading big blows. We're about six, seven games from the postseason, so guys are ramping up. They're playing 38 to 40 minutes. This was good stuff, folks. This was this game was the ticket. Giannis was unbelievable. He's 100% always totally unbelievable. I don't believe how he plays for us and plays for the Bucks. After the game, I tweeted this, again, on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I said, Jokic and Embiid can play their fun little MVP game, but Giannis is that man. I agree with that. I feel I feel that way. The MVP is its an interesting thing. I love it and I hate it. I love debating who should be the MVP, but I also hate it. Now, you could think Embiid should be the MVP, but you can make that argument without tearing down Jokic, tearing down Giannis, tearing down Luka or Booker or Tatum or John Morant. But that's always what happens, right? Well, uh, I think I think Jokic should be the MVP because uh, Embiid, Embiid has a crummy attitude and he doesn't even play all the games and he's not. Wait, wait, wait a minute. All these guys are amazing. And narrative certainly plays a role, right? It would be cool for Jokic to go back-to-back, but also, is he a player that should get to win a back-to-back MVP? I don't, I don't know. 
Embiid's brilliant. I would be perfectly okay with Embiid winning MVP. I'd be perfectly okay with Giannis or Jokic winning it. After that, you drop off just a little bit. Look, Embiid and Jokic can do their thing. I don't care about the MVP. Giannis is that man. I'd take Giannis over both of them 100%. And you don't even need to look at the stats from Tuesday night to know how valuable he is. I turned off the TV and went, wow, I can't believe we have Giannis. You could just feel it. You could feel it after that game. You could feel it while watching. He was everywhere on both ends of the floor. And, I mean, he didn't have 40 points to boot, so it's not like he didn't put up stats. But you could just feel it. You could feel how good he was and how valuable and how impactful he was. So I watched that game on Tuesday, and that got me amped up for last night. Heat Celtics. Heat have been reeling a little bit, but still a top seed in the East. Celtics have been red hot. They've been unbelievable. And I turned on this game saying, okay, I saw what my Bucks could do last night. Show me something, Boston. Let me see something, Miami. Come on, put something on, on the TV for me. Let's see what you guys got. I feel so confident in the Bucks. I'm looking for a reason to be worried. Show me why I should be scared about the Bucks' chances in the East. I didn't really get a reason to think that the Bucks still aren't the safest bet in the East. The shot-making difference between Tuesday and Wednesday night was absurd. Fourth quarter, this is what happened with the Celtics. They only scored 15 points. Tatum was one for three, felt invisible, a lot of bad turnovers, which everyone's entitled to a bad game. This is not a referendum on Tatum. I'm just saying what happened. Tatum went one for three, some bad turnovers. Jalen Brown, bad shooting, two for 10. He did have some nice finishes around the rim. Miami shot 44% from the field. Boston shot 27% in the fourth. And this game essentially became the first team to 100 wins, which is not exactly a formula or a descriptor you want to use if you have championship aspirations, with both of these teams do. Meanwhile, in the fourth quarter of the Sixers-Bucks game, Middleton three for four, Giannis four for five, Drew Holiday four for five, Tobias Harris four for seven, Embiid three for six with a couple of big threes, George Niang two of three. The Celtics and the Heat are very good teams, but they just aren't quite on the level of the Bucks. Always leave me feeling something's missing. They're a little bit short. They're coming up short, right? Maybe they get there. They could. Sure, the Celtics could absolutely get there, win the East, prove me wrong. I suppose the Heat could too, although I, I feel even less good about that than I would feel about the Celtics. But at this moment in time, the Bucks remain the safest bet, hands down, 100% in the East. Now, the Sixers are good and easily could have won that game on Tuesday, but here's my issue. They traded everything for Harden. Ben Simmons, obviously, and I don't fault them for that because Ben Simmons didn't want to play. I'm still not convinced he wants to play. But then they also gave up Andre Drummond, who was a great backup center for them, really spelled Embiid this season. And Curry, Seth Curry, not Steph. Embiid and Seth Curry had really built something. Embiid's a big fan of Seth Curry, and they dealt him away to get Harden. And they did this under the blueprint of getting two top 10 players. That's how Daryl Morey's wired, the GM for the Sixers. He says, hey, I need two top 10 players, and, for, and with that, we have a chance to win the title. And I don't fault him for that logic. I'm just not sure that Harden's a top 10 player anymore. This is, oh, this is, trying to do this off the top of my head. I didn't write it down. This is Brian Windhorst, thank you, talking with Mike Greenberg the other day on ESPN about James Harden. Wendy, what are people around the league saying? This is one of the worst kept secrets in the league, that his first step isn't the same. Here are the numbers. Low by percentage has gone from 89th percentile in the league to 58th. He's gone from super elite to middling. He's still very crafty. He's still getting to the foul line 10 times a game. But you saw in that clip, they sat on his left side. A good team that has a good defensive strategy, Harden is going to struggle against right now. There's a, there's a wonder whether this hamstring injury that he suffered a year ago 
is leading to this or if it's conditioning or if it's a little bit of both. James Harden isn't the player off the bounce. He isn't the offensive creator that he once was. Daryl Morey's idea was get James Harden. I already have Joel Embiid. Those are two top 10 players in the league. Bang. My team's a contender. That's not a bad blueprint if the player you acquire is a top 10 player. And James Harden is not playing like a top 10 player right now. I think it's conditioning. I think it's wear and tear. I don't think James Harden applies himself the same way that Embiid or Giannis or others do in the league. His blow-by percentage, meaning how well he beats the first defender off the bounce, his ability to get by guys, it's gone from the 89th percentile to the 68th, as Wendy mentioned. He's not that guy anymore. But the idea was get two top 10 players. You're a contender. I've been thinking about this blueprint, but with the Brewers. And this is where I want to move the conversation to the Brewers. The Brewers, as Mike Petriello wrote at MLB.com, and we talked about this yesterday, the Brewers have three top 25 starters, and they have two top 10 relievers. That's a recipe for success. I'm going to read you from this article. The Brewers are absolutely loaded with pitching, just like they usually are. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta may be three of the top 25 starters in the game. Josh Hader and Devin Williams are two of the top 10 relievers in this game. So we just... Just talk about that. Forget the offense. Forget everything else. What does that guarantee the Brewers? If I tell you my baseball team has three of the top 25 starters in baseball and two of the top 10 relievers, including maybe the best reliever in Josh Hader. If I tell you that, does that guarantee my team anything? Well, you will make the playoffs assuredly with with that pitching. You will win X number of games. You are guaranteed this. What is the floor of a team with three top 25 starters and two top 10 relievers? I think that guarantees you a certain level, a certain floor, as does having two top 10 players in the NBA. Now, the question is everything else. Right? What can the offense do? What can the rest of the bullpen do? But I think you're guaranteed a, a certain hard floor with three top 25 starters and two top 10 relievers. Let's talk to Brett in lacrosse, 608-796-2558. What's up, Brett? What's going on? What's up, Grant? How are you? I am swell. We have a first-time guest coming up here in about 15 minutes. I don't have to do a show oh, tomorrow, really? so today is technically I didn't, my I didn't weekend. realize I was supposed to be on in 15 minutes as a contributor. So. Well, you've been on as a contributor before. You're not a first-time caller. You're, you're, a, you're a, yeah. a pillar of this you program. Are, you are definitely right. But here's a big question. Mm-hmm. Has anybody talked to Williams and make sure that he doesn't punch any walls? Yeah, celebration. Is, is this okay? Okay, with Devin Williams, is that a red flag that we're ignoring, or is that just a one-time, one-off thing that we're moving past? I think, I think, I think he's a young dude that probably just learned his lesson. Have you ever punched a wall <laughs> when you're drunk or angry, Brett? I've never punched a wall ever because I either. that's dumb. But then again, <laughs> I've never been a professional athlete that has won a division. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we'll I mean, we'll let it pass one time. But it it just it's disappointing that it happened the one year. Oh my God, I got kids talking in the background. No, you're good. Uh, you sound great. So it's just disappointing that it happened in a year where we had so much going for us. Oh yeah, I would. So I would you know, had had we had him in the postseason, it it may have changed something. Not saying it would have for sure, but it it could have changed that middle to end relief yeah. before hater comes well it could have changed the vibes too like not to be weird yeah. about this but I, that's just bad energy to have going into the playoffs knowing that one of your best players punched a wall and now can't play that's that's bad energy i don't want that yeah yeah and then uh 
course, Wisconsin's losing our boy, our local boy, yeah. Johnny Davis. Our boy. Uh, which I asked Dave this morning. I was like, what are the chances? Like, is there any chance whatsoever the Bucks could pick him up? And he said, nope, none. <laughs> like, just killed no. it. I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. I'm like, I don't know how NBA draft and all their weird uh, lottery picks and all of that work. I mean, it works and... similarly enough to the NFL draft. Like, the Bucks are very good and won't have a lottery pick. I, I The mock I saw right. today had him going nine to the Washington Wizards. See, and, and apparently ESPN or somebody has him going seven. Yeah, so... somewhere in there. I I don't know. Either way, I think it's going to be awesome. But it it would be nice to. We just had the local like card and memorabilia show was over the weekend at the mall, mm-hmm. and I talked to a couple of like the the Packers and Badger dealers there, and I was like, it's just too bad that somebody did not try to get Johnny and Jordan Davis, the both of them, or. Koenig or whoever else local to event. come to the card show and be able to make a little bit of money. But obviously, you know, Davis is working out and getting ready for his NBA career. So he's got a lot of work ahead of him yeah. um, as far as what he needs to do before that. But still, you know, make him a little bit of money on the side, see his local people and sign some stuff before he gets too big for all of us so <laughs> lock him down get an interview i should try to get him on the show i don't know i'm excited i you should I, I think i don't know i was gonna try to be sarcastic on the show today and troll everyone by doing this long segment about how he should come back he this is absolutely the right thing for him and i know a lot of people think yeah. that he needs to develop a jumper then go to the best basketball league in the world with the best coaches in the world and then develop right. a jumper there you know what i mean brett yeah yeah and it's it i mean i i wish him all the luck I mean, I I hope he goes and he absolutely kills it, and he yeah. makes Tyler Hero look like a joke. Is yeah. basically what I want at this point, especially since Hero seems to be some sort of Bucks killer, even though he's from Wisconsin. So it's crazy. Um, but I wish him all the best. Now, under the next thing, mm-hmm. have you seen the weird mock draft with some trades where uh, we can get I don't know some receiver from. I don't even know who the guy is, but a, a Pro Bowl receiver somewhere, and get Tyler Lockett, and get a whole bunch of cool defensive guys. Well, you did you did such a, a detailed job of describing this mock draft. I don't know how yeah, I, no. I don't understand which I, one you're I talking have, about. I have no <laughs> idea who the other who the other receiver was, but it was like an ESPN mock draft saying you know this could be good. Uh, actually, it was fan sided, is what it was. Okay, um, and it was saying that we could get our first three picks. We're going to end up being like uh, a defensive lineman and then an inside linebacker and then an edge rusher. rusher. And then after that, it was going to end up being we trade off a pick. But trading off our second-round pick, we get some high-end receiver that just made the Pro Bowl for I don't even know who this guy was. He was a no-name to me. No, 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 no. And then then we trade out our third-rounder. And somebody else, and with that, we get Tyler Lockett. Mm. And it's like, oh, man, like all of a sudden we get two veteran receivers, and then they think that we pick up two more receivers in the draft. So I'm like, well, that would be really cool to get two veterans like that, but you give me Metcalf, and I'm cool. You get me Metcalf, and then we'll draft everybody else. But I I don't know. 
Well, All right, Brett, I got to go. I got girls yelling at me. So Yeah, have a good night, Brett. That's Brett LaCrosse. I was going to say, it sounds like your children need you. Go, uh, go be a father. I want, again, I want them to draft somebody and pick up somebody else. We need variety. Variety is the spice of life, and variety is the spice of football, spice of wide receiver. I, I don't know. I'll come up with something. You need both. I think you need an experienced guy. And you need to draft guys because you just need guys coming up through the system always. And the Packers have lacked that the last couple of years. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about this right away on the other side. I promise we can stick with this. If you have something to say about the Brewers, we can talk about that too. But we got to take a break because Kurt Hogg's going to be here at 535. And I don't want to be late to Kurt. First time guest, so we need to be on time. Wisco Sports Show back in a couple of minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills twitter at wisco grant kurt hogg gonna be here in 10 minutes wild hogs great film he covers the brewers for the journal sentinel we're gonna connect with him from spring training talk a little pitching little offense you know that whole shtick back into baseball mode with opening day next week which is gonna be super fun texting call 608-796-2558 Daryl, I saw you calling. Daryl, I know you want to chat. I got time. I got a couple minutes. So hit me up. I don't know if you want to talk Brewers or Packers. I doubt you want to add to the Bucks conversation. Although if you do, jump on in. 608-796-2558. Talking a little bit about the Bucks and the Sixers and the Nets and the Celtics and everyone in the East. And my takeaway on the Sixers right now is that Daryl Morey wanted two top 10 players. That was his M.O., when trading for James Harden, right? Well, I got Embiid, I got Harden, so I have two top 10 players. That almost guarantees me to contend. And I agree with that logic. Except James Harden hasn't played like a top 10 player. So now you can see the wheels falling off. I think of the Brewers in the same way. They have three top 25 starting pitchers. At least this is what Mike Petriello writes at MLB.com. Three top 25 starters and two top 10 relievers. When you have talent collected at one position like that near the top of the league, some of the best starters, some of the best relievers, I think that guarantees you a certain floor. I think it makes you a contender, just like Daryl Morey's idea was, get two top 10 guys on my team, and we're a contender. We've been talking a little bit about the Brewers. I'm going to ask that question to Kurt Hogg coming up. We're also talking a little bit about the Packers, so whatever you want to chat about, I'd be more than happy to have you. Let's go to the phone, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Uh, hopefully you got Daryl. Daryl. Oh, is this you, Daryl? Yeah, it's me. Oh, excellent. Daryl, what's going on? Sorry, I didn't recognize your number. Oh, really? Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, that happens. Uh, <laughs> first thing first, um, I'm going to say you, you were throwing you're throwing this other banter out there about Johnny Davis. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you so, I'm going to tell you a name, throw a name at you. Matt Thomas. Yeah. Matt Thomas, Matt Thomas, what is he what has he done in the NBA? Limited role play at best. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Limited role play at best. He's been traded, what, twice? And I think the issue is, honest to God, I don't think Johnny Davis is ready. I really don't. You could put him in the mock draft, or you put him in the draft, and, he, and he's a you know, lottery pick. But I'll tell you right now, I don't see him any better right now at this stage of the game than in one of the t- from 11 to 15 on the roster. I see him going to the 
having to play in the G League in order for him to yeah. develop his talents. Yeah, and that's that's, that's okay. the only like, way he's. Yeah, not I'm, everyone's I'm ready when that. they're drafted. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, but I'm just saying is that I'm I'm hoping Johnny Davis realizes this because um, this he's he, you know this is money opportunity. Don't get me wrong, but I'm also saying too is that. He's not ready. I'm hoping that he realizes that just because you're going to get drafted oh, yeah. doesn't mean that you're ready to play, that you're ready to be up in that echelon, that you're going to wind up going to probably the G League. You know, you're not going to get one of those two-way contracts. You're going to probably get a, a, a first-round contract, mm-hmm. but you're going to wind up having to play in the G League in order to get playing time because you're not going to make the rotation early in Washington or any other place for that matter. Yeah. Right out of the shoot. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't have that kind of skill yet. And I hate to say that. I've seen, um, I, I, even Jordan Mora, for example, from the Milwaukee Bucks, look at, look at, uh, where he, where he was, he was, you know, picked in what the second round or I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact of the matter is, is that his skills, and I hate to say this, are just a touch better than Davis's. So Davis does have the potential to move, you know, get better. But he has yeah. to get playing time. The same problem Wara uh, has. He doesn't get enough playing time. I don't, and know, so that, his I don't know that Jordan Wara is Warr that is good. good. I don't know that he's that good. Wara's problem is his defensive skills. Of course, yeah. Wara's problem is really is his defensive skills. He, I, I could see him with his – he has bad footwork in so many occasions. Yeah. And and I sometimes I see that with Johnny Davis too, and he can work on that. Yeah. Okay, but his jump shot has to improve, obviously, Mm -hmm. and some other things have to improve for Johnny Davis. But I, you know, could this be a very weak draft? That'd be another question to ask, as far as the NBA, and to have put him in that kind of position doesn't say a whole lot right at this stage of the game. Now I'm just I'll go one step further now with the Packers bit, as you were going to refer back to. Personally, I'm more concerned about David Bakhtiari and his knee. And his uh, those issues, whether he's going to be healthy or not, to protect Aaron Rodgers, and I'm putting that out there for one reason only: we have two first-round picks. We might need to look at a left tackle, as far as the future of this franchise. Yeah. Also, to protect to, to protect Rodgers, and the other thing I wanted to mention: Go ahead. if you look at the history of the Packers over the last several years, the reason the Packers haven't had to draft a wide receiver in the first round, we had Jordy Nelson. We had Randall Cobb. We had Devontae Adams. They were not first-round picks. Walk, Javon Walker was the last first-round pick. But if you really want to get technically speaking, we had to pick first-round picks on how many defensive backs mm-hmm. over the span that we had that basically either did or didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. And if, if you look at it, your, uh, Alexander is the really only one that's really panned out of all the picks they've used. That's why I'm happy they they brought back Rasul Douglas. I'm happy because they finally got a guy who works. You got to hold on to that guy. You know what I mean? You you got it, and they got him for the price that they that is that is reasonable. Mm -hmm. That is truly reasonable for what a cornerback is. Okay, and you you know what? I I think I've mentioned before is that I've I've, my feelings about wide receivers are how much they are a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. As far as it goes, you're always taking how you know good they are and this and that as far as it goes, but. Look at Donald Driver. He was a seventh-round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laz- Lazarus. Yeah, you can find him throughout the entire draft if you if you if you know how strong that position is. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Look at when you go into this draft. Find figure out is this 
draft strong enough at wide receiver that you can pick where you want to and then pick up the other players that you're going to need. You need. We're talking about a, a pass rusher, for example, mm-hmm. another pass rusher to go with um, the fact that we lost uh, Zaria Smith. Just, I mean, some of those things have to happen. Where like, I, I'm worried about the left tackle position. I'm worried about the right tackle position. Unless Neiman, uh, at, uh, the guy that played left for a bit yeah. this uh, last season, Neiman, if he can move over to the right side, wouldn't that be big? I mean, just little things are starting to tell me is, hey, there are other positions other than wide receiver that says to me is, is that we need to address or at least figure out before this before preseason, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Daryl. I want to talk more about Bakhtiari, and I appreciate the call. Thank you, Daryl. Sorry I didn't recognize when you called in. Um, I could be better than that. That's on me. I apologize for that. It's not just that David Bakhtiari's knee is giving him problems. If you look at his contract, David Bakhtiari is going to start costing a lot next year his cap hit next year goes to 29 million then to 32 million i just i don't know that the packers are going to stand for that very long so they're always going to want to add depth to their offensive line i think especially this draft and they have extra picks they got lots of picks and daryl you're right you can always find wide receivers later too but i don't know if with the packers struggles at wide receiver and the lack of depth they have right now i don't know that they have that luxury to get cute and try to find them later in the draft i don't know if they can do that Let's take a break. We're going to get connected with Kurt Hogg, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Talk Brewers, coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. My name is Grant Bills. I hate to be this guy. Well, I don't hate to be this guy, but I got to give a song recommendation. My God, this is good. Uh, we were talking a little bit ago about how Dead and Company put out their tour dates for this summer. Uh, which, by the way, we got to get Justin Garcia on now to talk about that. That's going to be a whole thing. Um, my buddy, my fishing buddy, coincidentally enough, uh, sent me an Eyes of the World today that's just unbelievable. Albany, New York, 325, 1990. Eyes of the World. I think Bob Weir is floating on this song. Brent Midland's doing his thing. Awesome song. 325-1990. If you want a link, I'll send it to you. Just text me. 608-796-2558. There. There's the song recommendation for the day. We got that out of the way. With Now let's speak with Kurt Hogg, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. First time guest. I connected with him this afternoon because he had a little time in between some spring training events. So we're going to talk pitching and offense, and it's good to bring a new person into the fold, a new friend to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Kurt Hogg. Kurt Hogg is here, covers the Brewers for the Journal Sentinel. You are now covering them down in Arizona. Kurt, I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. The weather sucked for about the last week. How is uh, how's spring training? How's Arizona? It's good. Uh, today's, unfortunately, I guess, my last day in the warm weather. I've been checking the every day when I check to see again what I should wear here. I also then check the home weather, and I feel a little better about myself, but I'm not looking forward to landing back into the snow uh, tomorrow. Yeah, my so my grandma's lived in Phoenix forever, so that was like a family vacation every couple of years. We'd go and see her, and she still lives down there. I went down there last March, and we went to a game, and it was great. Do you have anything that you do in Phoenix, like when you're not working or not covering games? You go to In-N-Out, you like to hike. I, I just I, You can tell I'm really missing being down in Arizona for spring training. So this is my first spring, and I got down here last Friday because I had to finish up covering high school sports, which is what I was doing before. Uh, I got the the Brewers beat, so I haven't had a lot of time to do anything. I wanted to go hiking, but there's not really been an opportunity, and I was only here for a week, so I like, packed very light. 
I really, really want to try out some of these hikes next year. I feel like that'd be awesome. Um, in and out, uh, yeah. and walk. I, I feel like some nighttime walks where you're just like, oh man, yeah. it's 80, to, 80 degrees out at 8 p.m. So. Yeah, that, that's been the move mostly. So you've been working mostly, and by that, that was a test. That's what I was hoping your answer was: is that you were working constantly. That's why we're coming to you for uh, for Brewers Insight <laughs> on the show All today. Right. Let's let's start with pitching. Um, I, I think that's been a big reason we've been listening on the radio or watching the games that we can, the ones that are carried. See a little Woody, see a little Burns. You know, just get a little taste before the season started. Mike Petriello did a World Series tiers thing at MLB.com, and the Brewers were in the third tier. And his logic was three top twenty-five starters two top 10 relievers, right? And that's logic we hear in the NBA a lot, right? If you have two top 10 players, then that just kind of automatically makes you a contender. With three top 25 guys in the starting rotation and two top 10 bullpen guys, like what does that guarantee the Brewers? Do you think in baseball that's how it works? You can almost guarantee yourself a certain floor with pitching as good as the Brewers have? Starting with the tiers here is I would put them in that B tier because of because of the pitching. Yeah. You've got those three guys. And then, I mean, Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer are, aren't bad either. Aaron Ashby uh, will be kind of in an interesting role as well. So that's, you know, maybe the best pitching staff in the league. Like, the offense would have to be really, really bad for them <laughs> to miss the playoffs. This year, um, unless things go absolutely haywire, it feels like they've got a good floor um, just with kind of the depth that they've built and uh, on the hitting side. And then, obviously, the studs they have on pitching, plus you add in the expanded playoffs. Yeah, uh, and it, it feels like you don't want to get into like a given thing in in baseball, but it's and NL Central is not very good either. No, so it would be a massive disappointment for them to miss out on October this year. The same tears piece that I'm looking at, it's Mike Petriello. He, his opening statement about the Brewers is, they have good pitching again like they always do. And that just blows my mind that we've gotten to a point with our Brewers that never had good pitching for basically my whole life. And now it's just a given that we have three studs in the starting rotation, two great relievers, and then Aaron Ashby, Adrian Hott, Like These guys aren't bad either. It blows my mind that we've gotten to a point where their pitching is just a given. Well, the, the, the script has flipped, right? Forever it was, it was they can develop the bats like nobody's business. But they couldn't, you know, outside of Giovanni Gallardo, basically, it was like, what can they develop on the pitching side? They had to go out and kind of sign some veterans to even put together, like, an average staff or go out and acquire, you know, Grinky and, and Markham and make big yeah. splash like that for pitching. And that was like, you you just, you can't even fit Aaron Ashby into your regular five-man rotation right now. It's just, and, you know, they've got some other guys that are in the wings waiting, like Ethan Small as well should play a role in the big league club this year. So um, it's hard to think of a team that is better at developing pitching sort of in that, than the late minor league stages into the big league club. I mean, it's right up there with, you think the Rays, you think the Dodgers, uh, the Astros a little bit, and then the Brewers like that's That's that tier right now. Yeah. They're developing these guys, and they've developed all these arms. What about the Craig Council half of it? What about the usage half, right, the way that the Brewers use these pitchers and the way they deploy them? Does that play a big role in their success as well, in your opinion? I think it does. It, it's, it's, a, it's a collaborative effort, really, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if the Brewers let them ride a little more this year, they'll be, you know, all a year older, a year more experienced. There were moments last year, for sure, where, all the main starters kind of got uh, pushed a little more into games than what we had seen uh, in years past. But, you know, there will be a lack of 
I mean, there's the designated hitter now, so you don't have to run into the, uh, the you know, that playoff game three, I believe, in Atlanta where it's like the offense is doing nothing. It was fourth or fifth inning. Oh, we, we pulled the starter. Like, that's not going to be a conundrum that Craig Council has to face this year. They just do a very good job at managing their workloads, and it just seems like everyone in the organization, from the players to the coaches to the manager to the front office, are all on the same page. Uh, in terms of how they want to attack and, you know, go develop along these pitchers and, and go about their business. Kurt Hogg covering the Brewers for the Journal Sentinel. He's down in Arizona right now. I know the lockout kind of distracted us from this, Kurt, but should we be surprised that Josh Hader's still on this team? I remember after the season last year thinking it was almost a sure thing that he was going to be gone, and now he's just back. Like, nothing has changed, and he looks great, and he's adding things to his pitches, and it's just business as usual. Is it a surprise that he's back with this team and he wasn't moved this offseason? Uh, yes and no. We're on like what? Still like year four of the yeah. They'll, they may, they could trade Hater this year, and it feels like each offseason those yeah. whispers get a little louder. Because I mean, and it makes sense that it's a conversation. I'm sure the Brewers have talked about him with with plenty of teams. Um, but it's just kind of the, the nature of relievers at the volatile position, and you know, the, his arbitration price tag is not low. I believe it's on double digits uh, this year. That's just kind of how it is when you have. You know, arguably the best closer, one of the best two or three closers in baseball is like you're just going to have to pay him that much in arbitration. Uh, so it makes sense that the Brewers would kind of be in a position where, okay, if we can get what we want for him, we'll trade him. But I don't think there's been any team that's been willing to meet. I think I think if you kind of read between the lines, if they are shopping him, which yeah. is likely that they would be doing, not shopping him, but listening on him, I would I would say, is like just no one's no one's meeting the demands which are rightfully high and he has a very big role on a on a good team and you kind of take him out of the picture and all of a sudden that bullpen still got Devin Williams but you're just getting a little bit shakier and it's yeah. you know if the Bruce, if they have a lead going into the ninth it's 95% chance they're going to win that game, which is huge for a team that doesn't have a great offense. Well, and there's teams every year. I, I think of the Phillies last season where the offense is good, the starters are good, and their bullpen just can't hold on. And they lose a dozen games over the course of the year because their closer situation sucks. It, it would just be a horrible spot to be in if the Brewers were to let Josh Hader go and all of a sudden they can't nail games down. And they could be paying more for a, a closer, the stature of Josh Hader. So they could certainly be in a worse spot. I want to ask you about first base. Uh, they have not had a back-to-back opening day starting first baseman since, I think, 2011 with Prince. Uh, you've reported and, and tweeted and shared some good nuggets about Hunter Renfro at first base, maybe Hira again, Rowdy Telez. I, I know what will start the year probably won't be what finishes the year at first base. Like, think ahead towards June or July. What do you think first base is going to look like? If Rowdy Telez is healthy, I think this is going to be a big year for him in terms of production. And if that's the case, uh, he'll be getting the lion's share of the work there. I mean, he's kind of – the Brewers seem to be, again, sort of reading between the lines a little bit here. They seem to be intent on giving him a heavy workload to start the year, okay. starting against some lefties. Not not a complete platoon, not against all lefties, but get him some work there and then kind of mix and match the pieces when he needs an off there. It's a tough lefty on the mound. Um, and, and kind of pairing the opportunity they'll give him at the beginning of the year was kind of just this hunch that he uh, was a prospect who had a big bat and has never really had a big breakout year. Mm-hmm. Feels like he's one of the guys on the offense that could have have that breakout season. So 
yeah, they've got a ton of guys that can play first base. Hero, Hero can play first. Apparently, Hunter Renfro can play first. Mike Brasso can play first. Who knows if Omar Narvaez could even like? They just have lots of guys that could play there. Who takes the job? You know, Rowdy Telez has the 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 head start on everyone else. I guess. Well, it seems like it's his job to lose, based on what I've read and what you're saying. Like he's got the head start, and I guess it's his gig to lose. Uh, finally, Kurt, because I gotta let you go. Uh, can Yelich be? great this year or can Kevin I call him Kevin can Keston Hira be great we, we did a thing last year where if Keston Hira couldn't get the ball we'd call him Kevin and now I call him Kevin out of habit so that was probably a bad bit to, to do on the show I remember watching the Braves last year and thinking oh the Brewers need someone to be Freddie Freeman in the postseason huge moment right forget depth forget having eight great hitters or seven great hitters can you just have one and the Brewers lacked having one great hitter last year can Yelich or even Hira or, or do they need to find somebody else to be that guy this year Right, that's the question with the offense is, you know, you've got a bunch of guys with a good floor, Wong, Kane. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the lineup right now, McCutcheon, Madonna, Tillez, all these guys. Like, okay, yeah, I know what I'm going to get out of them. But who's going to, like, is there a big impact bat out of that group? And the guys at Yelich and here that have the ceilings that those other guys just don't really have. And I don't know, it'll be tough for here to get to that level. I mean, we're just with the, He'll have to get earn the playing time in order to do it. Um, so it'll be tougher for him, whereas Yelich, he's going to be in the lineup every day. And I don't know if we're going to see 2018, 2019 Yelich again, but what you need to see is for him to get back to sort of that level is some of like the, you know, the, the micro stuff that was going into what, what made him so good. He was driving the ball in the air instead of hitting lots of ground balls, and he was very selectively aggressive. Um, instead of a little more passive at the plate. So Yelich is the guy, you you figure, and it's kind of, you know, he's almost in, I don't want to say an afterthought, but in the offense last year was probably, what, the sixth, seventh best hitter in the lineup. And the Brewers just can't have that and get to where they want to go. They need someone, like you said, Freddie Freeman, who's going to come up in the playoffs and deliver in some big moments. He's got time. Got a couple of months until we got to worry about playoff big moments. So if Yelich wants to play his way back into shape and it takes him a couple months, whatever. Right, I'll still watch the games. I'll be along for the ride. That's part of the fun of 162-game season. Kurt, I'm going to let you go. It was really nice to connect with you. Anytime you want to come back on and talk Brewers, I would love to have you. Enjoy the end of spring training. No problem. Thanks for having me. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show last couple minutes for the week no show tomorrow brewers playing at three o'clock again i miss doing the show i'm not going to complain about having a day off don't get me wrong but I, I miss doing the show every day this week has been it's been too easy i got i get two days to come up with one show i feel like kyrie irving sitting out every couple of games so i can come in and play 45 minutes drop 60 points so no show tomorrow Get all of your takes in while you still can. 608-796-2558. The talk of text line. You can get me on Twitter as well. At Wisco Grant. Let's go to the phones real quick one time. It's Mike in Eau Claire. Mike, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, you hit the sweet spot today with me. I Yesterday I was reading how the Lions are willing to trade the number two pick. 
I know it seems crazy. I would never do this 10 years ago, but trade those two first-rounders for the number two pick and take whichever one of those top three receivers. Here's my reasoning. We're already maxed out in cap space. There's two first-round picks are going to cost you two first-round pick money. And it might be cheaper to trade those and take just the best guy we can. And then we'd have some money left over maybe to sign the veteran receiver that we want, that we both want. All right. I'll let you go, man. All right. Thanks, Mike. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, we have a lot to chew on. I appreciate the call. 608-796-2558. I love hearing from the Eau Claire crowd. Okay. I'm anti-trade-up. And this is a personal, Mike. I just, if you have lots of picks... It's like it's getting it's getting lots of chances to throw at the dartboard, right? So here's the question. If you're playing darts, would you rather get to take two steps forward and throw closer to the board, or would you rather get three extra darts? I'd rather get the extra darts, right? Because I think if you step one or two steps closer to the dartboard, I, I don't know. It's still no guarantee I'm going to hit what I'm aiming for. But if you give me extra darts, you give me extra chances, chances are I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to luck into a good throw. Think of the draft the same way, Right. The second overall pick, man, you could you could have your pick of the litter. You could take anyone. Let's let's forget the second overall pick for a sec. Let's just talk about the idea of trading up. It doesn't have to be to the second overall pick. That's a little much. Nobody's jumping up that high unless you want a quarterback or some generational edge rusher or whatever. Let's say the Packers had a chance to move up to 10. Okay? 10. 10. Would you want to give up your two first-round picks to move up 12 spots from 22 to 10? I, I don't I don't want to do that, Mike. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Like, if you jump up 12 spots and you get a stud wide receiver and you're secure at the number one wide receiver position for years to come, right, It's it's it works. I just, I want more picks. I want more chances. And the Packers could use, they could use, they could use lots of guys. What about a, a wide receiver and an edge rusher? A tackle and a wide receiver, right? I know it's tempting to want to package these picks, But, Mike, I don't want to put all of my draft capital in the basket of one player. What if that player is no good? Also, what if that player is amazing? Then we're back to our original problem of having one great wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers always feels the need to throw to. This wide receiving core as a position needs an overhaul all across the board. I want multiple guys. Draft multiple wide receivers. Let's get George Pickens and let's get, I don't know, whoever's available at 22. Maybe you can get one of those wide receiver uh, from Ohio State. Maybe you could get Garrett Wilson or Olave. Who knows? Whichever one falls, take that guy and then take another wide receiver later in the 20s. You need a, a, an injection of talent, not just in one spot of that receiving core. You need a couple of guys. You need youth. You need to kind of reset that position. The Packers have done a really good job resetting a lot of positions. They're young at corner with Jair and Eric Stokes. Kenny Clark is in his prime, but on the younger side of his prime. Remember, he was like 21 when they drafted him. Rashawn Gary, their lead edge rusher, young. Darnell Savage, one of their safeties, young. Offensive line with Elton Jenkins and um, Josh Myers and Nyman and Newman, young. Young. There's youth everywhere on this team. They have a great young core, especially on defense. I want the wide receiving core to look like that, too. I want to reset the age. I want to get younger and cheaper there. I want to be on the upswing rather than the downswing. And I don't know if trading multiple picks for one pick to get one wide receiver helps me there. I think it maybe gets us one good wide receiver. Maybe. But again, if you're playing darts, I would rather get three extra darts as opposed to standing two feet closer to the board. Still not a guarantee that I can hit the bullseye, even if you let me stand a little closer. 
But if you give me three extra darts to chuck, eh, I like my odds. I get a couple of extra throws. I'll, I'll maybe luck into one. With extra picks, you, you have a greater chance of hitting and finding a good player. I'm Look, Mike, to, to kind of wrap this up, Mike and Eau Claire brought this up. If the Packers jump up 10 spots and they trade for a, a really good stud wide receiver, I'll be excited. I'm not going to be angry. But I think ideally you use both of these picks, you stick and pick at 22 and 28, and you get two players that can really, really help your team. Wide receiver edge rusher, wide receiver corner, wide receiver safety, another tackle, right? Something along those lines. I don't love trading up because it just limits the amount of chances you have to select a player. And it all is one big game of chance, really, when it comes down to it. No show tomorrow. I'll be back on Monday. Next week is opening week. We'll be closer to the draft. I can't wait. Enjoy the brew game tomorrow. Kenny and High open up next. I'll talk to you Monday.